You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I was under the impression when I first started studying this passage that I was going to preach all of verse 19 through 25 to you this morning, and I got up to verse 22. So, this is going to be a series over the next four weeks, Lord willing, but um, we're going to start today with giving a little introduction and hopefully getting through verse 22. Does anybody here know what the initials EDC stand for? Brother Scott? Everyday carry. Has anyone heard of that? Anyone heard of everyday carry? Very interesting. So I have been fascinated lately with EDC. And there's all these videos on YouTube and there's different blogs and uh, lists. So it, it is basically a collection of gear that you should carry every day. So they, they really stretched with the name, right? You know, what do we call something that we carry every day? And someone is getting millions of dollars now because they came up with everyday carry. So depending on who you are or what you do, your EDC looks different. So as a man, your EDC would be a pen, maybe business cards, a notebook, a phone, a knife, a gun, a wallet, and keys. Like things that you need to be carrying every single day, right? As a lady, Especially a mom, I mean, you basically have to carry everything. Medicine, candy, snacks, chapstick, makeup, hair, phone, hand mirror, toothpicks, flamethrower, jackhammer, AK-47, extra shoes, extra batteries. And the crazy thing is pretty much every single lady carries all of those things in a purse about this big. I am amazed at how much can fit in a purse. Mary Poppins is no joke. That is literally what happens. Every time I lose something or I misplace something and I ask my wife, honey, have you seen my driver's license? Or have you seen, like, right now she said my, my key my, all, or all my cards are in her purse. I have just started filling out the paperwork for new debit cards and new credit cards because I'm never going to find it. I'm going to have to go to the to DMV and get my driver's license again. It is ridiculous how much can fit in there. And she says, oh, yeah, it's in my purse. Not going to find it. Never will. Now she finds it right away. That's incredible. I will spend five minutes looking for it, and she'll just reach down and, and pull it right out. There's something spiritual about it. I don't know. But everyday carry is referring to all the items that you need as a man, right? Or as a lady, or it gets more specific, as a photographer, or as a teacher, as a parent, in order to be whoever it is that you need to be. EDC helps you do that. Well, as a Christian, if we would truly be a Christian, there are also some things that we should carry along with us. Every day. Now, if we're talking physically, you could say we should carry a Bible, we should carry tracts. Yes, that's very true. We could go into that. But this morning and throughout this series, I'm going to be talking about some spiritual lessons 
that we need to be carrying with us daily in order to be the Christian that we're supposed to be. And it all comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. And the series is going to be called An Invitation to Dedication. An Invitation to Dedication. I know that we prayed, but we're going to pray again. We're going to pray that the Lord would help us during this next four weeks. Actually, it's going to be five weeks because I'm not here next Sunday, but uh, these next few weeks that the Lord would help us retain and carry these things with us wherever we go, especially, especially the more and more we see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to focus in during this time. Lord, again, if there is anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, would you please save them today? Help them to come to that position uh, where they can put their faith and trust in you. Bring them to that point of decision with your Holy Spirit. Lord, please minimize distractions. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's silence all of our cell phones. Bring everything in here. Make sure that we uh, focus in. So let's get first things first. Before we can even talk about an invitation to dedication, let's talk about an invitation to salvation. Before you can ever be a dedicated Christian, before you could ever be a Christian, you need Christ. If only a million dollars can make you a millionaire, or if only a law degree can make you a lawyer, then in order to be a Christian, you need Christ. And look at how Paul words it here in verse 19 through 21. Having therefore brethren... Boldness to enter into the holiest. I circled those three words in my Bible. Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. We have a semicolon there, so we have a continuation of thought, but we're going to stop in 19 through 21 and talk about this. There is so much in those verses, and you could preach on that for the next year, but I'm going to try to get it done in this one message to introduce this message and then also the rest of the series. Verse 19 says that it is by and only by the blood of Jesus that we have access into the holiest. Now, I want you to think about the Old Testament tabernacle with me or the Old Testament temple, okay? If you walked through the gate and then through the outer court and then through the inner court and then into the holy place and then past the veil you got into the holy of holies. It was also called the most holy place. Here it is referred to, or it is pictured by these words, into the holiest. Now, why was it called the most holy place? Why was it called the holy of holies? Why is it here referred to as the holiest? There's one reason. Because that small place was where the very presence of God would sit. That is why it is the most holy place. If you were a foreigner, you could not go into the holiest. There was no way. You could not be in God's immediate presence as a foreigner. If you were born in Israel, but you were not of the priestly tribe of Levi, you could not go in to the holy of holies. Even if you were born into that priestly tribe of Levi, 
you still could not go into the Holy of Holies. It was only the high priest who could go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he would actually go in twice. He would go in first for him and then for the people. But he could only go in on one day on that Day of Atonement. And if you didn't know about this, it was approached with much fear and much trembling. If you read about the high priest's garments along the bottom of it, every other thing that, uh, along, the, along the hem, there was a bell and there was a pomegranate. Now, not like a fruit, but it, it was just a, a, a decorative thing, right? So he had bells along the side. And Jewish tradition says that the high priest also would have a rope tied around his ankle. Because if for some reason that high priest tried to enter into the most holy place and he was not holy, sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. No more priest. And so if you're sitting outside and you hear, cha-ching, 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 whoomp. Grab the rope because you can't go in there. <laughs> Grab the rope and <laughs> drag the priest out. That was the only way that you could go in. So in the Old Testament, to enter into the holiest meant certain death for that high priest. Unless, unless the blood of an innocent lamb was shed to atone for his sin. But now we read, and we just read over it, in the New Testament, by the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, every single believer has access into the very presence of God himself. We have admission. We have admission to God because of Christ's death. No longer do we have to offer sacrifices to find atonement for our sin. Jesus was offered once for all. The Bible says in verse 20, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. The new and living way. Jesus said, I am that way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Think about this with me, okay? So let's say you were the high priest. If you were going to get into the Holy of Holies, you had to go through the veil. If you wanted to be in the immediate presence of God, you had to go through that veil. And here, even though that tabernacle is gone, even though the temple is gone, if you want to go into the presence of God, you must go through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. The only way you can go through, what, what is the thing that both Jesus' flesh and that veil have in common? They were both torn. When Jesus' body was torn on the cross, when he said, it is finished, that veil rent from the top all the way to the bottom. It is only through Jesus' death that you can have admission into the holiest. It is only through Jesus' death that we find remission. 
Without the shedding of blood is no remission. With the remission of sins, however, through Jesus' blood also comes admission to the very presence of God. And now every single believer can enter into the holiest to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You remember watching infomercials? My favorite one was with Chef Tony, the Miracle Blade. Does anyone remember that? I would watch that for hours, and I would hope, like, just, just rerun it when it was done. And I would seriously just sit there and watch Chef Tony cho chopping parsley, garlic, arugula, bok choy. And you're like, we get it, we get it. But I just loved him watching him watch, uh, watching him cut and all that stuff. And every single time, what was it? But wait, there's more for only five easy payments of nine, 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 ninety nine a month, right? So we have admission because of Jesus' death, but that's not all. Christ's death brings admission, but Christ's life brings representation. Look in verse 21. And having an high priest over the house of God. What is the house of God? That is every believer. Jesus did not stay dead. Now I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. It's getting a little warm in here, Brother Rusty. Anybody else? Or is it just me? It's not just me. I think I am. Could, could we knock it down? I think Brother Dusty, you know how to do that. Brother Dusty, Brother Rusty, Brother Dustin, Brother Gusty, Brother. Okay. Jesus did not stay dead. He rose again. And why did he rise again? Well, first of all, you can't keep life dead. But also he rose again for a purpose. He rose again so that he could always, he ever liveth to make intercession. For us, that is what he does. Now notice something with me. None of what I just talked about has anything to do with who you are or what you do. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. If you believe that you are going to enter into the presence of God, either here in life, in your Bible reading, or in your prayer, or one day in heaven in eternity, but you are trying to do it by any other way but by the blood of Jesus, you will not enter into the holiest. You will not get into heaven. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing can for sin atone. Not of good that I have done. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oliver B. Green, that old radio preacher, said this. There is no back door, no side door, and no detour to heaven. You must come through Jesus Christ and through him alone. And if you believe, I'm telling you this morning, if you believe in anything but Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul, you are not a believer. You are a rejecter. It is Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. Believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Now, that was just my introduction. What the writer is saying in this passage of Hebrews is this. Once Jesus is your Savior. Now, if he's not your Savior, you need to get that settled today. Don't go to hell for anybody. Well, what will someone think? Come on. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. This is between you and the Lord. Now, we will help you in every way we can. 
But once Jesus is your savior, once Jesus gives you admission and representation by his death, burial, and resurrection, the writer of Hebrews is saying, let me invite you to carry some lessons with you throughout your everyday life. Just as some believe that what you carry as a man or as a woman can help you in your life, or as a man or as a woman, whatever, God is going to invite us believers to carry some spiritual lessons with us to help us live as a dedicated Christian. Now, time out. There is no such thing as an undedicated Christian. That was too quiet. There is no such thing as an undedicated Christian. That's an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp or an honest politician or... or there, there is no such thing as an undedicated Christian or friendly fire. What's that? Every Christian is dedicated. Not every saved person is dedicated. But every Christian is dedicated. And unless we are dedicated to God, we cannot be called a Christian. If we were back in Antioch in Syria... Would people say, you remind me of Christ? That is where they were first called Christians. And it wasn't a, oh, wow. It was, you remind me of that guy who thought he was Christ. Little Christ's running around everywhere. If you stood in a court of law today and the charge against you was this person is a Christian, would you be found guilty? Beyond reasonable doubt. A Christian is dedicated. In order to be dedicated, there's some things that we should carry with us. Okay? So, look in verse 22. Let us, and that's the invitation right here, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Since we have access, since we have representation, let's draw near. And not only that, let's continually draw near. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how long you've been saved, where you come from. Look at the billions of people who have lived in the past and the billions who will live. Not one person will ever get to heaven and say, you know, I was just too close to God. Every single person is going to say, I wish I had given him more. I wish I would have drawn nearer, nearer, nearer to him. Let us draw near. Here's the first lesson. That, it's the lesson of continuation. The lesson of continuation. Every day that we wake up, we should have this goal in mind. Draw near. Draw near to God. And with each day we fail to draw near to God, we fail God. When we truly believe in Jesus, there will be a desire to continually draw nearer and nearer and nearer to him. Now, we do not draw near to him in only what we say, like the Pharisees or the rebellious Jews of the past. Isaiah said it first, and then Jesus quoted Isaiah. Isaiah said this, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
If you're going to watch football this afternoon, you are going to see an example of that. You're going to see some man who's doing nothing but partying and drinking, body covered with tattoos and doing nothing but giving his life over to debauchery. But if he carries that pigskin over the end zone, what is he going to do? This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth. I just want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ as I go to Disney World and drink myself drunk. That is not Christianity. No wonder America is a mockery because the nations of the world are looking at the nation that claims to be a Christian nation. And we are pumping out filth into this world. And Christians aren't saying anything about it. We must draw near to him, not just in mouth. What does the Bible say? A true heart. Don't be fake with God. You know the word sincere? You know what sin means? Is it Latin or Greek? It's one of those. It's all Greek to me. It means without. Or it means no. Okay? Sin and then seer from Sarah, which means not. Where's Sarah? Oh, I miss Sarah this morning. Sin, Sarah, wax. So what would happen is these merchants would have, would have um, pottery. And maybe throughout the traveling process, part of it would chip or part of it would crack. And what that merchant would do is he would take wax and he would put it in that crack. There was still worth to the pottery, so don't just throw the whole thing away. He would put wax in that. And he wasn't doing it to be to be deceitful or anything, but what people would do is they would come up and they would grab that vase, or they would grab that piece of pottery, and they would look at the merchant and say, Sincera, no wax? Is there anything fake about this? Because when I put it in my window and the heat comes down, it's going to melt. So I want to know when I buy this, is it what it claims to be? Are you being deceitful? Are you charging me as if this was sincere, but it's nothing but wax? Don't be fake with God. Don't be fake with the world. Be real with your Lord and be real with the world. Live your life in such a way where your yay means yay and your nay means nay. People appreciate that. Don't be fake with God. We draw near to him with a true heart. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, we don't draw near to him in doubt and in fear either. This isn't the Old Testament. We don't have to wrap something around our, our leg anymore. We draw near to him, what does the Bible say? In full assurance of faith. We draw near knowing that it was God who told us to draw near. There's a story of a man one time sitting next to somebody on the, uh, on the, is it called the subway in New York, I think? In the train system. And uh, he's sitting next to the man and he just strikes up a conversation and the man is very well put together and, and the other man who's, who's uh, next to him is kind of down on his luck. 
And the man in the suit and the tie starts asking him questions. What did you used to do? Do you have any education? What's going on? And uh, the, had a good conversation. Well, it came up to the man's stop, and the man got up, and he buttoned his suit, and he wrote down his name, and he wrote down an address, and he gave it to that other man who he had the conversation with. And he said, I want you to be at this address tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning. He didn't know what to do. He went home, got up that next morning, went to that address. It is a high-rise building in New York. And he realizes that he has to get through security. He has to get through all these people in order to get to where that person is going. And he walks up to that security checkpoint and says, this man gave me this name and this address and told me I needed to be here. Now, the security didn't believe him because they knew who that man was. And they looked back and said, no, absolutely not. People try this all the time. Get out of here. Don't, don't even try it. But then later, that man came down. He was the CEO of a major corporation who basically just interviewed that man in the subway and said, I want to give him a job. Let him through. I told him to come through. I invited him to come. Let him through. So you have security telling this man, you have no credentials. You're just coming up with this random piece of paper that anybody could have written on it. No, absolutely not. But then the CEO comes and says, you leave him alone. I invited him to come through. And when we as Christians want to enter into the holiest, you know who's there on our shoulder every single time? Satan. What business do you have there? What have you ever done to merit going into God's presence who are you? Who do you think you are? You have no right to be there. You have done nothing to deserve drawing near to the Most High God. And you look back at him and you say, shut your mouth. I was invited. We draw near to him in full assurance of faith. God is the one who promised he would grant us admission if we come through Jesus Christ. We have full access and we insult God when we doubt his word. Do you like it when people doubt your word? When maybe you tell them a story or you tell them something that happens to you and they give you that look? Or they just give you the, okay, sure. You're like, no, 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 wait a second. That happened. Okay, all right, whatever you say, whatever you say. Now, listen, it doesn't matter how trustworthy you may be doesn't matter how trustworthy I may be. You have the capacity, and further than that, you have the propensity to lie. We all do. It is not just possible for us to lie. It is probable for us to lie. We are liars. And yet we do not like it when someone comes back to us and says, I don't believe you. How do you think God feels, a God who cannot lie, when a liar looks back at him and says, I don't know if I believe you? 1 John 5.10 says, He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. And God says, You come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. You, the sinner as you are, yes. And with Satan on your shoulder, yes. But you do not doubt. You do not fear. Your Father has called you nearer to him. Draw near to him. He's done everything, everything 
to give you that opportunity to draw near. He gave his son to die so that we can draw near to him. Nearer today than yesterday. Nearer tomorrow than today. Nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart. We can never be too close. We must daily desire to draw near. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience? Certainly. Yes, that is how we must draw near. That's talking about our salvation. Having our conscience, or I'm sorry, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. It's probably one page before in Hebrews chapter 9. Look there. Verse 13 and 14. This is talking about the Old Testament sacrifices. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the puring of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the, internal, uh, the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, we, all, we already talked about this at the beginning of the message, but the sprinkling of blood was always a picture of atonement. So if we would draw near to the Father, you must first have your heart sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. But then, if we will continue, if we will continually draw near, if we would be dedicated to God, what's next? Our bodies must be washed with pure water. Stop. That has nothing to do with baptism. Don't think that. That has nothing to do with baptism. How do you know that? Well, the Bible just made it clear we enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. This isn't talking about baptism. As having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience is a picture of salvation, our bodies washed with pure water is a picture of sanctification. A sprinkled heart is a picture of living in forgiveness. A washed body is a picture of living in holiness. The heart is inward cleanliness. The body is outward cleanliness. And God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And yes, you can be saved without being holy. Think about this with me. There are untold millions who believe that they can draw near to God in salvation without having their hearts sprinkled with the blood of Jesus from an evil conscience. My religion will be enough. My giving to charity will be enough. The fact that my good outweighed my bad today, which, no. That will be enough. I will draw near to God in my own way. Not the new and living way, which is consecrated through his flesh. I will find a back door. I will find a detour. I will find a side door, but I'm not going that way. That is ridiculous. But it is even more ridiculous that there are believers who think they can continue to draw near to God without living in holiness. Without having the body washed. That's never been how it works. We cannot truly say we desire to be a dedicated Christian. We cannot truly say we wish to continually draw near to God when we're not willing to live a clean life. 
when we're not willing to obey. Oh, I love the Lord. If you love me, keep my commandments. We're all for our hearts being sprinkled. You know why? Because that is through Jesus' death. But we shun our bodies being washed because that only comes through your death to sin. We are supposed to die. We are supposed to mortify the deeds of the body. We are supposed to be able to say, I am crucified with Christ. If we would accept this invitation to dedication, we must have a desire to change. We must do whatever whatever needs to be changed, we changed it. Whatever needs to stop, we stop it. Whatever needs to start, we start it. We do whatever it takes to draw nearer and nearer to God. You lay aside your sin. Why continue in the sin that Jesus died for? Believer, stop sinning. Stop disobeying. Is it that simple? Well, Paul put it this way. Let him that stole steal no more. I tell you, this this Bible is just too hard to understand. And then what do you do? Let him work with his own hands. It is that simple. If you have two dogs that are fighting constantly, which you do, you have the flesh and you have the spirit. The one that wins is going to be the one that you feed all the time. And if we are constantly feeding the flesh, no wonder we are having no spiritual victories. No wonder the world is so dark when we're living under a bushel. We are supposed to be holy. We lay aside our sin. That is what is wrong. You find what is wrong according to the Bible and you say, because God says it's wrong, I want nothing to do with it. And then you lay aside the weight. What is the weight? Things that keep you from doing right. Yikes. Because that's where sports comes in. And that's where hobbies come in. And that's where things that aren't necessarily wrong on their own come in. There's nothing wrong with having a hobby. There's nothing wrong with playing golf. There's nothing wrong with crocheting or knitting ladies. There's nothing wrong with hunting. There's nothing wrong with fishing other than it's boring. But there's nothing wrong with being bored if you want to be bored. But if being bored keeps you from doing right, then it's wrong. And if golfing, which for me, and and do you want to see providential working in my life? I had just fixed my slice. Just fixed it. And someone stole my golf clubs. That was a weight to me that would have kept me from doing right. Lay aside your sin. Lay aside your weight. And if we're all honest with ourselves, this year has thrown us for a loop and we have taken, it's been easy to take steps back. I see it in my life. I see it in uh, in my ministry. And I'm fixing it. There's no way to move forward. There's no way to draw nearer to God if we do not both cease to do evil and learn to do well. 
Do you wish to draw near to God? What does James 4, 8 say? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I can tell a story. I don't remember his name right off the top of my head, but it's a pastor's son in Indiana. And I'm going to relay the story as best I can, but the, the pastor's son wanted to start a fire in the backyard. And the dad wasn't home. The mom was there, and the mom looked at the son and said, son, don't use gas to start that fire. Start the fire with something else, but do not use the gasoline to start that fire. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, she goes away, she comes back and realizes he used the gas. And that boy was burnt from, I mean, how bad was it? It was bad. And he said, Mom, you told me. You told me and Dad has told me before not to mess around with it. And I messed around with it. And you read your Bible and you hear your pastor pleading with you, stop playing with the fire of sin. It spreads quicker than you want it to spread. It costs more than you want it to cost. And it's going to damage your life more than you can ever hope to repair it. Don't play with fire. Do we expect not to be burned? God has sprinkled the heart of every believer with the blood of his own son. Our reasonable service is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the least we can do. But if we're going to do it, we must be holy and acceptable. And it's here where many believers fail. They accept the invitation to salvation, but not the invitation to dedication. But if we will be the Christian that we are supposed to be, here's one lesson we got to carry. Continuation. Every day, Lord, let me draw nearer to you. Every day, let me draw nearer. Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Not just in word, but in heart. Not in fear, but in faith. Knowing it's God's will for you to draw near. Not only in forgiveness, but in holiness. Let us draw near. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.